Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and here with me today, live on site for the Wintrust Arena in Chicago, are Josh Brown, Jake Pavorsky, and for the first time ever, Jeff Key. Guys, we're going to talk about the championship game tomorrow. It was an unbelievable uh, semifinal matchup yesterday between Overseas Elite and Carmen's crew in the first game, and in the second game, Team Hines against the Golden Eagles alumni from Marquette. Just an unbelievable day of basketball, and whether you had a rooting interest or not, you couldn't help but get wrapped up into those games that were going on. Josh, um, later on in the podcast, I should note, by the way, we're going to speak with Bob Rathman and Fran Fraschilla, as well as TBT founder CEO John Mugar. So we'll look forward to those things as well. But for this time, uh, for the time being, guys, let's talk about these games that we saw yesterday. Josh, we'll start with you. That overseas elite Carmen's Crew game had my heart pounding uh, for so many different reasons. But the fact that overseas elite lost is absolutely shocking. Yeah. And a lot of people thought it might never, never happen. Um and uh, you give Carmen's crew credit. I mean, they took DJ Kennedy out of the game. I mean, he finished with eight points on the night, uh, didn't shoot the ball very well. And, um, you know, DJ, after the game, we were talking to him. We were in the media room, Jeff and I, and I think Jake was there too. Um, he just said, for the first time we've played, I don't think we wanted it more than the other team. And um, Carmen's crew with, you know, those guys have been playing together for years and years. And it felt like, you know, some chatter that maybe they're going to, this will be the last go around. You felt kind of felt like they really wanted to really do something special and they ended up doing it. And uh, you give credit to Jared Sollinger, who's done an amazing job coaching that team. Uh, actually, a, a funny little tidbit. He said he gets everything that they're running for Brad Stevens on the Celtics. They're running all kind of the, the different plays and everything that he ran. Well, he was Brad was Jared's coach um, and they just went out and they executed better. But uh, definitely for the TBT world, certainly a shock for everyone to, to see that. Jeff, what did you think of that game yesterday between Overseas Elite and Carmen's crew? You obviously were courtside, saw the whole thing, and were and oftentimes kind of in the huddle with these teams and heard what was going on. Were you in the Carmen's crew crowd or Overseas Elite? I was in the Overseas Elite, um, and I was in Overseas Elite. So basically, the one thing I realized was that Carmen's crew had, had multiple people step up to the plate and kind of get the win for them. They had Jeff Gibbs, who was banging down there. Jeff Gibbs is 6'2". He's banging down there with Justin Burrell, who's 6'9". Uh, Drew Gore, who's 6'10". I just thought it was amazing. Uh, Evan Ravenel, who's a guy who's averaging maybe around like eight points a game, yesterday came in and, and was challenging DJ Kennedy at the rim, uh, was taking him off the dribble. I thought that he did an excellent job defensively on him as well. Um, one thing that I realized overseas elite is that over the past few years, they've never looked rattled. Never. And, you know, I was in their, was in their huddle. Uh, I was getting footage of, you know, them in timeouts and everything like that. And one thing I realized is that they seemed a little bit uh, out of sorts, um, which is kind of rare for them. And so when I saw that, I was thinking to myself, like, this is unlike Overseas Elite. And I wonder if that, um, if it was kind of like one of the first times in their five-year run or so that they've gotten a little bit disoriented. They certainly seemed a little disoriented towards the end, and obviously emotions got the better of a couple of people, but even at the end, it looked like DJ Kennedy kind of accepted that loss, and I thought it was a great gesture, uh, Jeff, to go back to Carmen's crew, congratulate them at the bracket when they were po posting their tag up. Yeah, DJ was nothing but class afterwards, and I was with him in the locker room, and Josh and I interviewed him after the game. I mean, he was just thankful of the run they've had, the support they've had, and, and of course, the money that they've won. Um, one thing that DJ said uh, to me in the locker room that I thought was, was you know, just indicative of the confidence they have and the level of talent they have was that he said that they went they went down 6-0 early on in um in in Elam's ending 
And he said that even though they went down 6-0, he was thinking to themselves, they get a bucket, they get two stops, you know, and two more buckets, and there's eight points right there. Like he said that it sounded to me like even though they were down six and all Karma's credit to do was score two more, they weren't really worried. And they were actually, until actually you know, they got the last bucket. Um, so I think it's, you know, hats off to them, hats off to DJ for being uh, classy, you know, in a loss as well. I hope he's back next year. It, just, it feels weird not having him here in TBT. I always, I was telling uh, Josh and Jake this. It's like every year we think, you know, oh, they're going to get dethroned, they're going to get dethroned, and they keep winning year after year and a year out. And having a championship game with them not in the actual game, it just feels weird, you know, just because they've been a pillar of excellence in this tournament for so long. It's almost like the sun doesn't come up one day and you're shocked that it doesn't. Um, Jake, the second game, Golden Eagles against uh, Team Hines, a lot of people, if not everyone, was kind of picking Team Hines, given the talent level that they have, the name recognition that they have from these guys overseas. But Golden Eagles just went out and kind of took it to them. They were confident. They played hard. They matched their intensity. Um, it seemed like everything was kind of clicking for Golden Eagles yesterday in that game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that was a team that you know played without Dwight Bikes being at his best. I think he had nine turnovers, and the fact that they were able to overcome that and still win, win that game tells you how great of a unit that is. And team Hines followed that overseas elite model. You try and bring in as many top-level guys from overseas playing at EuroLeague uh, and try and just sort of outlast people with your talent. Uh, and Golden Eagles were the opposite of that. Granted, that's a very talented team with a couple guys in Dwight Bikes and Jamil Wilson that I think should be playing in the NBA. But Joe Chapman has done a tremendous job coaching that team, you know, starting with their training camp in Marquette, you know, leading up to it. And, and speaking with those guys, they talked about how locked in they were this year. You know, I think they were sort of in the same boat as Carmen's crew, where it's a lot of guys who have been doing this for a couple years now. You don't know what things might look like next year. Could be some, some changeover, some younger pieces if they even came back. Um, and I, I think that they just saw, you know, the prize and what they needed to do and, you know, to try and, you know, go out with a bang. And, and they did that. I, I think Elgin Cook has probably been, you know, the most underrated player in TBT. If we did a most improved player, or, you know, six man or something like that, I mean, he has to be that guy. Just from the jump, I think he had, you know, eight or ten points in a row for them in the middle of the game. He's down low. He's hustling for rebounds. He's getting put backs. He's knocking down shots. He's become a real threat in TBT and, and a guy who's just kind of floated under the radar until this year. Uh, super impressed with him. And, and Jamil Wilson, you know, still didn't play his best game. And then, I mean, I don't know what you can even say about Travis Diener. Like if, if TBT ever puts together a Hall of Fame, he has to be, you know, first ballot in there. Um, you know, didn't play in Wichita. He's obviously getting up there in age. Wanted to bring in some fresh legs and just knocks down an incredibly large shot for them. He, he has some stones. He's a great quote. He's just, he's a one-of-a-kind player. And, and the fact that he was able to do that, you know, similar to what he did last year in Atlanta, it, it's, it's a bit of a storybook uh, run for, for him especially and that team as a whole. Josh, do you think that Golden Eagles won the game? Team Hines lost it. That's an often often said thing. But it did look like Team Hines might have been a little off yesterday as well. Yeah, I missed the first half because we were busy with the other game. But um, yeah, from what I saw, I think I was talking to one of the um, assistant coaches on Hines in the locker room and he or in the in the hotel, excuse me. Um, and we were talking about the game and we both kind of just chalked it up to it. And it was something that he agreed with was that this team's been playing together for a long time. We're a team who's been together four or five games and a team with really high level talent who, um, they've had to maybe take a, a little bit of a lesser role than the team they're playing with over in Euro in the Euro league. Um, so when you get those guys together and they've played together for a long time in TBT, uh, only one or two really new additions to the golden Eagle team from you know, last year and the year before that, um, you know, I don't, I really, I don't know if it was 
the Golden Eagles won it or Team Hines lost or whatever. But I think just when it came down to it, the experience playing together, not only in college, but in the event might have helped kind of push them over the edge. All right, let's go to the interview that we did now with Fran and Bob. They're going to talk about the weekend that we've had, TBT generally, and give some thoughts on what each team has to do in order to win tomorrow night's championship game live on ESPN at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central. Fran, let's start with you. Your thoughts on this matchup between Carmen's crew, the Ohio State alumni team, and the Golden Eagles alumni from Marquette. Well, first of all, we've learned that no matter who ends up in the finals at a TBT, it's going to be a quality team. And uh, we've seen a great run by overseas elite four-year uh, four years in a row, but this is so much fun now because we have the element of the alumni teams, Dan, you know, the Ohio State Buckeye alums versus the Marquette alums. All these guys are guys I personally watched in college and broadcast their games. And now, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight years later, in some cases longer, like Travis Diener, they're better players now than they were when they were in college because they're all professional players. So, so just I, I've heard you say that, Fran, and I'm kind of curious because I don't know that everyone really kind of grasps what you're saying, but in what regard do you think that they're better at 25 to 30 than they were when they were at 18 to 22? It's very simple. As a former college coach, we didn't have them in the gym all that long because they had to go to class and study hall and take care of other obligations. And now when they get to be professional players, whether it's in the G League, NBA, and in most cases here overseas, they are truly pros. That's their job. That's what they spend 12 months doing. They work on their game. They work on their shooting. You know, guys that we watched in college, are, are that's that's why I say they've, they're, they're more accomplished, play against a higher level of competition and they're really at their best they're at the peak of their game for the most part so the level is really high and um and and having two teams that are familiar with uh to the average fan i think is going to be dynamite i mean aaron Kraft, travis dean or jameel wilson that's the thing i think bob and i are looking forward to Bob, we were talking last night. It seems like you're really enjoying calling these games, particularly with the Elam ending. It just is an added element of excitement, I think, towards the end of these games. Can you kind of talk us a little bit about sort of your experience calling these games so far? Well, it has been so much fun. And I think TBT, in a relatively short time, has captured the imagination of the summertime basketball fan. Uh, The game that we're going to have tomorrow night is going to be as much fun of a game as will broadcast all year. It's just, it's just, it's just been so enjoyable. And the Elam ending has taken this to a different level. And I thought in the semifinals, and I and I wanted to bounce it off Fran. It seemed like we had as two diametrically opposed Elam endings as you could get. That first game with overseas elite and Carmen's crew was so tense. Uh, Carmen's crew can't make a shot. You know, here comes overseas elite. They're trying to put it together. Can they get to the target score? And then all of a sudden, uh, off really a turnover uh, ends up being the game-winning basket. Then the second game is over like in the blink of an eye. Two threes in a basket and, and we're done. So it just creates such a an incredible ending uh, that slowly but surely is gaining more acceptance in the basketball community. It's like, this is something we need to take a look at. Well, and I, and I think, to Bob's point, um, the reason people who've watched the TBT get the Elam ending is because we know what it is like playing pickup basketball to 
play to a target score. I don't know about Bob, but my neighborhood, my my park in Brooklyn, Kelly Park, we didn't have a game clock. Okay, <laughs> we played we we played outdoors and we played to eleven or we played to twenty one, and that's really the essence of the even Elam ending, is that the game ends on a make. And to Bob's point. I thought uh, the second game, Travis Diener hitting that second three or raising up to shoot it, I could see it in my mind right now, and then him making it and, and having it be a basically a game winner. It, it was like a great prize fight that ends in a stunning knockout, you know, because uh, the first game had all the drama of two teams trying to score and not being able to, and then Travis Diener single-handedly uh, in two of the three possessions, bangs threes, and that's it. You know, it's time to go home for Team Hines. We had a chance to talk to, or I had a chance to talk to Aaron Kraft a little bit about the ending for that first game. And one of the things that he said was that everybody seemed like they were really, really tight in that first game. He it was kind of laughing about the fact that he airballed uh, a mid-range jumper himself. As a coach, Fran, what would you say to a team, you're tied going into the Elam ending, or maybe somebody calls a timeout and both teams are one possession away. Is there anything you can say in that moment, in that circumstance, that's going to calm someone down so that they don't airball in mid-range or that they don't make a mistake that they would never have made otherwise? Uh, there's not much you could say because of the unpredictability of it. But no, I think, well, first of all, let's look at these two teams that are going to play uh, Tuesday night. They've both been here. They both have gotten to a, a Final Four. Uh, and they both have understood the pain of losing a game like this in the TBT. But I think that what the evil ending does, and it's not unlike, again, getting back to the playground or the why, when you're getting close to point game and there's five other teams waiting to come on the court, and if you lose, you're not going to play for another hour. You know, you're, you're, you're a little more cautious. You want the ball to move a little more. You want to get a great shot. Uh, or if you have that one great player like Travis Dean or that guy just takes over. So there's different ways to skin that cat. Um, I just think that if you really think about it, basketball in its, in its essence is keeping a team from scoring and you have to get easy shots. And I think the biggest thing about Elam ending, if I was coaching, is, look, the ball may not go in every possession we have, but we have to defend. Because if they don't score, um, we're still within striking distance of getting to the target score. Bob, you've called sports for quite a long time. And obviously basketball has been a primary game for you for many decades. If you could go back to your career and pick out a player to take the game-winning shot in the Elam ending, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, who do you think you'd pick? It doesn't have to be a team that you called the games for, but certainly anyone that you've called. Well, you could start with Michael Jordan. You could start with Larry Bird, um, the great pressure shot makers for those of uh, a little older fandom, maybe a Jerry West, Mr. Mm -hmm. Clutch, um, guys like that who live for those moments uh, would find a way to get it done. But there are so many uh, different types of scores that you could call on in an ending like this because it's not just the three ball uh, that you need. Uh, it, to me, the, the pressure that we saw yesterday uh, comes from, yeah, the game clock's off. But the shot clock is still running. Yeah. And you've still got that pressure of the shot clock to deal with. And and as you amp up that D, yeah. it really does change things because they're not thinking about the money, but they know they can't lose. So 
you're getting that extra level of competition that really only the Elam ending brings. You know, you come to the end of a regulation basketball game, and if you're down 10 with, a, you know, 40 seconds to go, the game's over. But you're not really out of it here. If you can D it up, as Fran was saying, and get those stops. So it's going to take the great shooters, uh, whether from the past or the present, uh, to, to rise to the occasion. Fran, how do you think a great all-time basketball competitor Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, uh, Jerry West, as Bob said. How do you think those guys would react in Elam ending scenario? What do you think their attitudes would be? Could you envision them, how they would play? Yeah, absolutely, because, again, it gets back to the way we all grew up. We didn't grow up with a game clock. We grew up playing on a playground or in a gym or at a Y, and and basically we played to a target score. And I'm sure Larry, Larry whether it's Larry Bird or – uh, we were talking Dr. J a little while ago. I mean, everybody who's ever played this game has played to that target score, which, you know, essentially is uh, the essence of the Elam ending. So I, I think they would react the same way. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been in pickup games. I'm going back a long time now, but where guys would lose uh, on a last-second basket because somebody got to the target score, 21, let's say, and guys on the other team would throw the ball against the wall and get pissed off. And can I say that on a podcast? I guess I can. <laughs> Yeah, on this one I can, and and uh, you know be be frustrated and get and get upset. So, uh, competitors, when it comes to the game of basketball, competitors are competitors, and uh, the Elam ending because of the uniqueness of the TBT and and the winner take all format, it just adds to what I've always loved about this event is it's high level basketball meets reality TV. Because with the stress and pressure of what we've seen this week and what we're going to see on Tuesday night, you never know what's going to happen at the end. And the Elam ending just creates that much more of, uh, I think, tension. Because to Bob's point, no matter what the time on the clock is, you're not never out of it because the shot clock or the game clock, I should say, gets shut off. All right, friend, let's do this. You, I'll say a sentence you fill in the blank, okay? Uh, Carmen's crew is going to win tomorrow night because... Aaron Kraft is as good or better defensively than he has ever been. And uh, outside of the NBA, he's one of the best defensive players in the entire world. Golden Eagles are going to win tomorrow night because? Jameel Wilson goes nuts from the three-point line. It seemed, Bob, that Jameel maybe had a, a, a slow game for him on yesterday, in yesterday's semifinal game. But if Jameel was hitting the shots, it's going to be tough for Golden Eagles to defend, huh? And he's not the only one. You know, if they get that whole group hot... Uh, they'll be hard to beat because their their propensity to shoot those threes and make them with quality shooters. I mean, we haven't seen Rousey really get going yet, and he can shoot as well as anybody in this thing. So uh, that's a weapon that, uh, to Fran's point, it, if Carmen's crew can defend that three-point line, it's going to be a battle. All right, Bob, Fran, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Great. Thank you. Okay, great stuff from Fran and Bob. Guys, let's talk about the championship game ourselves. I'm curious to get your thoughts on what has to happen in order for each team to win. Um, Josh, let's start with you. What is what does Golden Eagles have to do if they're going to win the game tomorrow? Well, I think the Golden Eagles are probably the more talented team, just looking at the two rosters, the names on the roster. Um, so I think they're going to try to play their game, which is they play, uh, it seems like, uh, it seems like they kind of, like to play a little bit more in the half court um especially with the shooters they have and they can really kind of swing the ball around they can find open shots so i think i think that it's more on carmen's crew to kind of assert themselves than 
the Golden Eagles. Like, I think if the Golden Eagles play their game, they're going to be fine. I think Carmen's crew is going to have to do something to disrupt them if they want to win the game. Um, Aaron Kraft is going to be big. Uh, I know Fran was saying he wouldn't be shocked to see Aaron Kraft on Jameel Wilson if it gets to that point. Um, but I think for Carmen's crew, it's, it's just... You know, it's kind of cliche, but it's really going to come down to their defense. They're really, um, Lighty's an elite defender. Aaron Kraft is an elite defender. Um, Jeff Gibbs is a, uh, kind of turning into a folk hero in TBT. So, um, for Carmen Skirt, it's going to come on the defensive end. I think if, the Golden Eagles can just get into a rhythm and play the kind of tempo and style they want to play, then they're going to come up on top. I think all the onus here is on Carmen's crew to change kind of something up. Jeff, do you agree with that? I do. I I think it comes down to defense. I also think it comes down to three point shooting, right? Is is David Lighty going to be on? Uh, you know, is John Diebler going to be on? John Diebler was amazing last game, um, and he came off the of screens and was just firing at will. But there's been the games where some of those guys have been a little bit consistent. Uh, so I think the biggest thing for Carmen's crew is is their shooting, um, getting people down low, just getting Jeff Jeff Gibbs touches, getting uh, Evan Ravenel touches, um, and for the Golden Eagles, I think it relies a lot on. Also, Travis Diener, right? I mean, Jake talked about him being a TBT Hall of Famer. I think that they not only go as far as he goes, but he's kind of like their push off the bench. Or, you know, if he's if they're if they're down, you know, let's say, you know, 10 points, I think that a, a quick three points could good quick six points by Diener could really get their energy flowing again. Um, Elgin Cook. Elgin Cook's dad is actually Alvin Robertson. And so he plays a lot like his father. He just hustles on defense, very active, very athletic. And so getting him going is important for them. Uh, his pops is actually one of the fir- one of four players in uh, NBA history to have a quadruple double. So just random fact about him there. Uh, and so I think it just depends a lot on like the role players. If you get the role players going, I think whoever gets the most going is going to win the game. Do you know who the other players were to have a quadruple double? Yeah, um, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson. Hakeem had two, and then David Robinson had one. Um, and then I think there are actually only three. And so I think he was the third. All right, Jake, your thoughts on the matchup. What does each team have to do to win? I think it's going to come down to guard play, especially for the Golden Eagles. Uh, Dwight Bikes has to play better than he did the other day. I, I think Overseas Elite really did a good job of frustrating him, forcing him to make some bad plays, dribble the ball a little bit too much, turn it over. Um, they got to get the most out of him, and they have depth at the guard spot. It's not like that's an issue, but Bikes needs to play better, shoot the ball better. Andrew Rousey has been solid, but I don't think he's been the electrifying scorer that we thought he might be stepping into this. So they're going to need him to come off the bench and make some big plays. Terrell McNeil got his feet wet the other night, played about 15 minutes, didn't really put anything on the board scoring-wise, but did make an impact for them. It would be nice to get him a couple buckets and then you know, have Travis Diener make the most of his touches. Um, I think you know he took two shots. He made both of them last night in the Elam time. Uh, you know, whenever he gets in there, hopefully you get him a good look and, and he can knock him down. But, you know, this is going to be a game where it's decided by two points, four points. You know, any any of those buckets, you know, could be a, a huge swing in the game. Um, so they'll definitely need their, their guard play. And for, for uh, Carmen's crew, I, I think it's just about, you know, executing their game plan. They're going to sit in the half court. They're going to run their same three or four plays. Um, it's about getting those guys the right looks, making the right shots. And, and to Josh's point, no, I definitely think Golden Eagles is the more talented team, but Carmen's crew is as prepared as any team that's come into TBT. Jared's done an excellent job of, of getting those guys ready. And if they can execute their, their offense to the way that they like, then uh, I, I think they're going to be in good shape. If we're going to go around and, and give predictions, I think Golden Eagles narrowly pull this one out. But this is going to be a TBT all-timer. I, I think the fact that we have two alumni teams facing off against each other for the first time ever uh, to crown a new champion in, in 2019 is, is pretty surreal, but it's going to make for some great drama on TV. Jake's got Golden Eagles. Jeff, who do you have? I have Golden Eagles 87, Carmen's Crew 82. 
Josh? Well, I think the weird thing, usually in a championship game, not only in TVT, but anywhere, you kind of have like a team of like destiny that you can kind of tell. I think going in, you could really make the case that it could be either with the way they've played in TBT and everything and how far they've made it and falling just short. Um, I, I agree with, with uh, Jake and Jeff. I think the Golden Eagles will win, but um, tough to call. But yeah, I think the Golden Eagles have a little bit too much talent for them. All right, let's go to the interview I did with TBT founder, CEO, John Mugar. John. Yes. Best TBT ever or best TBT yet? Best TBT yet. What's your impression generally of the 2019 tournament as we've had it? I say it's exceeded uh, every expectation I had. And uh, I'm really surprised by how well received the Elam ending has been this year. Doesn't it seem sort of like it was almost 60-40 favorable towards Elam last year, and this year it almost seems like it's like 99-100%. Yeah, I would say that it's the Elam ending last year was similar to the posterized dunk contest this year, where half people absolutely loved it and half people hated it. And this year it seems like it's 95-5 in favor of the Elam ending. Do you think that's just... Do you think you're con- do you think that people that didn't like it last year are converting into liking it or they're just not complaining about it anymore? I think they're converting cuz I think when you see a larger sample size of Elam ending games you really get it as opposed to someone tuning in from one game who maybe heard about it from a friend who'd say, "Oh, this isn't that cool, you know, what's the big deal?" Do you have one that stands out as your favorite Elam ending so far? Dayton's round 2 win in Columbus was absolutely electric. Diener pulling up for three points uh, semifinal game was incredible as well. What do you think generally about just the growth of the event overall and specifically with attendance? Attendance is, uh, I mean, I was at the Wichita game in round one and that sort of exceeded, that's like, that is now an event that I would fly in my youth to go to, like to be in that gym surrounded by those fans in front of 7,200 people who are chanting and cheering and all of that so i never really envisioned that for for tbt at this stage so that was that far exceeded everything do you have any like kind of early predictions as to what other cities or colleges if it's an alumni team might have that kind of response to a team i only can go on what people say and dayton's fans showed up in columbus really passionately this year and west virginia fans showed up in richmond and both of those fan bases seem to think that it would go over really well where they are so i would guess those two what do you think it was about the wichita situation particularly that could be replicated other places partnering with the school itself as a marketing partner and uh in business partner made like 100 percent of the difference because otherwise we're going into the city like a columbus and doing it without the help of the university which is makes it pretty challenging on us to uh to get that message out in front of those fans this is the first ever final or championship game that has had two alumni teams in it and it seems like tomorrow night tuesday for the championship game we're going to have a lot of marquette fans on one side of the arena and ohio state fans on the other and i was trying to think of a scenario outside of like an nb i mean ncaa final four where maybe you might have two big name schools but really honestly it's gonna be like a totally unique and only in tbt scenario for these two fan bases to be able to come root for these teams yeah and and i um maybe five minutes after the semifinal ended for marquette we got a an email that the president of Marquette wants to come, the AD wants to come. So that, that school is like, there's no shortage of enthusiasm uh, up there for this event. So I, I don't know if um, if Ohio State can replicate that because of where they're coming from, but I certainly expect a uh, a crazy atmosphere. 
Do you have any thoughts uh, kind of going forward, maybe what 2020 might hold for TBT, or are you just kind of focused on tomorrow so far? What really is working this year is that the eight regional events hosted by passionate fan bases. So we're going to do way more of that. I think we really nailed it in five out of eight regions this year. And so I think we want to try to get it closer to eight next year. Is there anything from a gameplay perspective that you would want to see change for 2020? No, I think we're, I think we've like hit on a great formula. One, our games are basically 140 to 145, exciting, way fewer trips to the free throw line. And um, I want to live here for a while. Everybody that I'm talking to says that they love the fact that the refs are letting these guys play. And it seems like everybody enjoys it. Like, why not just let them play the physical game that basketball is now, as opposed to the way it's been called in more recent history, where it's much more ticky-tack fouls and free throws and all that kind of stuff. Do you enjoy watching basketball played that way? Yeah. Our, well, it takes a really good official to do that, because if you're just going to let them play and you're not an experienced official, then it's going to be trouble. So we fortunately have like the best, most well-known referees in the world uh, calling these games, and they're able to set that boundary. So it it's, takes a lot of work for them to do that, but I think it's it's really been our best officiating year yet. Any predictions for tomorrow night? Um, I think we're going to get a tie score going into the Elam ending. That's my prediction. Okay, great stuff from John, as always. All right, that's going to be it for the TBT Podcast today. We'll be back hopefully tomorrow, actually, with another edition previewing the championship game any late breaking news injuries or anything else like that we may also have a special guest so stay tuned for that thanks again for joining the tbt podcast and we'll be back again soon